Welcome to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond. I am uh, my co-host tonight is going to be Patrick Wallace. Sorry for the mix-up there. Uh, I almost wanted to say AJ Applegraf, but uh, he is off tonight, uh, spending some time with the wife and kid. And uh, so Patrick Wallace has been nice enough to step in his place tonight and talk some football with us. We're going to be Specifically talking about how to move on from Jamal Charles, um, some Andy Dalton, is this start for real, uh, Some and then going through some waiver wire ads for week six, the injuries to look out for, and then as always, we'll finish up with some best and worst games to look at for the weekend and your sleeper and bus picks. So without further ado, uh, Patrick, how you doing, man? Doing well, thank you. Uh, obviously, for having me, Joe. Um, definitely happy to step in and help out on the fancy six pack tonight. Um, excited to talk about obviously Jamal Charles. A lot of questions um, re- revolving around him this week and how to replace him, and then uh, definitely talk about the Cincinnati Bengals after their pretty exciting victory over Seattle this past week. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, so I know that that you are a writer for so-called fantasy experts as well. Um, and I think right now you're doing, doing the survivor picks. Uh, I'm kind of afraid to ask with all the craziness that's going on, since you are the writer for that article, uh, how are you doing in your survivor league? Well, um, for the second week, two survivor picks didn't exactly work out too well. Uh, <laughs> they haven't worked out all season, I feel like. In, in week three, I, I actually, during my week three post, I, I mentioned how the top three uh, top three teams in Survivor Picks all lost um, during week two. So for, for those who benefited from that and are, are still alive by default, I've actually done pretty well um, surviving three out of four weeks. I, was, I took one week off, uh, had a honeymoon, so... That kind of oh, thing. all right, yeah. Guess that's uh, a good enough reason. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's it's actually worked out pretty well. Um, took Green Bay this past week, so that was kind of an easy, not easy. Nothing's been easy in, in the NFL this year, but that was at least a favorite that finally pulled it pulled it out pretty um, securely. Yeah, man, I uh, I actually went sixteen and zero last. Well, I guess seventeen and zero last year in my Survivor League. Uh, I was one of like. I don't know, 500 people on ESPN to finish at 17 an hour or something crazy like that. And this year, I feel like I, I I just didn't feel, I just didn't join into one for some reason, but I feel like I would have lost week one. I mean, this has just been such an upside down year. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's just one of those, one of those crazy years. Something yeah, I, I mean, week don't one think this year was, week one was pretty crazy. I had, I had Dallas, so that one came down to obviously the final either the final play or I can't remember that game exactly. I know Giants were leading for a little bit. So yeah, week one was, I was almost bounced after one week. That had been pretty rough. Yeah. I'm sure there was a lot of people bounced after one week. I can't remember what was the big upset of week one. 
I remember there being a real, real big one, and it was like, what in the world? Oh, it was probably the Colts because the Colts lost like a bunch in a row, right? And so they were, yeah, Colts. They lost were big. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure that was a big one that people picked. <laughs> and yeah, there was there was a lot of a lot of upsets that week. I feel like I probably would have picked the Colts over the Bills, just because. Well, maybe not though, just because their division is pretty easy. But uh, the, you know, the Rams beat the Seahawks. That was a pretty big one. Uh, so yeah, there was there were definitely some upsets uh, in Week One that caught a lot of people by surprise. Um, but yeah, you're uh, you're mainly uh, I know you're mainly a baseball guy, right? Yeah, I did uh, most of my writing for for so-called fantasy experts came during baseball season. I've tried to ma- obviously maintain the Survivor um, picks article and then try to chip in here and there. But yeah, most of my my knowledge has come on the baseball side I feel like over the past maybe three to four years I've continued to gain more and more knowledge on the football side but baseball has definitely always been the number one for me that's cool so before we get into the football talk I do want to ask you because I I've I'll have to admit I've been kind of in and out of the baseball the last you know I really haven't paid attention to the playoffs at all and I've had this crazy project at my my normal day job that uh, I was working like 10, 12 hour, 10, 12 hour days for the last two weeks. So all of a sudden, I you know I caught wind of this Chase Utley slide, but I hadn't seen it yet. I caught that thing on Monday. I want to get your opinion on that first before I give mine. <laughs> yeah, I I actually didn't I didn't see the play live, obviously. I don't think any baseball fan out there hasn't seen the play since, though. It wasn't a clean slide, let's put it that way, but I don't know that – I don't know that Utley should – I'm trying to think of how to word this politically correctly. Should be getting the backlash he has gotten. I mean, there's – no one's talking about the throw um, to Tejada. That was a bad throw. That kind of set Tejada up for that. I think um, had Utley slid a little sooner, the same result could have happened. And, um, I mean, maybe you wouldn't have it because he slid probably about a foot or two too late. But then they showed, you know, the history of Utley taking out Tejada when he was with the Phillies, like four different slides. So while it wasn't a clean slide, I mean, there certainly should be some sort of uh, maybe suspension or some sort of consequence for Utley. I don't know that he necessarily deserves to be almost – uh, how to? I can't think of the word I'm looking for. Essentially, it's scrutinized by the entire, you know, baseball industry. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't think he should become the most hated man in baseball by any means. You know, he's got a long enough track record to of fairly good, fair play to not, you know, to not get the backlash that he's getting from in the entire league. I I understand you there, but. That was one of the dirtiest plays I have seen in baseball in a long time. Tejada was like a foot off of the bag for one. Yeah, I get it wasn't a good throw, but it was pretty obvious. Utley was just going straight for him, and he slid. Like, he almost slid once he got to the bag. I mean, it was such a late slide. It was so obvious. I mean – of course, he wasn't trying to hurt him. He was just trying to, you know, knock him down like he was, which is what you're taught to do in that situation. But 
that was one of the dirtiest plays. I was pretty shocked when I actually saw it. I didn't think it was going to be as bad as, you know, because the media likes to over, you know, overblow things a lot. So I just assumed it was going to be this rough slide and it knocked him down and he just fell weird and he broke his leg. He slid. He slid. I mean, you said a foot, a foot or two late. It seemed like a lot more than that from the angle I saw. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was, yeah. I definitely agree with you there. As far as um, the way Tejada was set up, there, there definitely was no, there was no reason for it. I'll give you that. With no, I mean, he, he like had, he didn't even, he didn't even try and go for the bag at that point. He didn't even. I think he completely missed the bag. Yeah, I think if he would, I think if he would have at least like grabbed the bag as he was doing it, it may have looked a little better. But yeah, yeah, to your point, he didn't. He didn't even touch the base. He just he essentially got to the base, missed it on purpose, and slid past. Yeah, he slid. He slid behind it to intentionally hit him. So that was yeah. That, that was one of the more interesting plays I I have ever seen. Um, but nonetheless. We move on. He'll probably get suspended, but it won't be until after this series, which could possibly end tonight. I'm actually, I actually got the game on in the background here. So anyway, the big news in, in fantasy football this week, as we've kind of already mentioned, Jamal Charles out for the year, ACL injury. And I don't know how much of this show you listen to, but I I feel like I should do a, a service to everybody that listens to this podcast and give you every player that's on my team because he will eventually get hurt. I have the worst luck in fantasy football this year. Uh I know a lot of people feel that way, but it is incredible. I've done a couple I did a couple mock you know, not mock drafts, uh slow drafts early on in August. I got hit with all the big three injuries early on, the Foster, the Nelson and uh Kelvin Benjamin, all three of those. Uh, I've been hit by Charles. Uh, I had Dez. I've got Julio who's banged up. It's just been a complete disaster for my teams. Uh, and then it, my record shows it, it is, it is bad. So, um, but anyway, enough, enough of my misery. What do, uh, I can't even say this guy's name should, should Darnick, I'm terrible at this name for some reason. West from Kansas City and Niall Davis. Who uh who do you want and how much fab are you spending on these guys? Uh I I I actually received a lot of those questions um yesterday, but I think West is definitely the guy you want uh, with the news coming out today which was kind of expected that Reed expects to go to a, a running back by committee. I don't know that you really want to go all in. Like say you have a $500 budget and you spent fifty. I don't really necessarily want to go all four fifty um, on either of them. I don't think they're going to be that kind of difference maker. At the same time, you the time's kind of running out on the Fab budget. It's already you know week six. So how much, how many more impact guys are really going to come across on the waiver wire that you're going to spend up for? Aside from maybe some owners who cut a guy loose, um, that you you know. Aside from that that regard, I don't know how many guys are just going to walk into big-time fantasy value that have been on the wave wire all season. Um, so I think there's definitely some to gain and some to lose by going all in on either of them. 
the the good news, I guess, is that Davis is probably already on somebody's team, so West is probably the only guy out there as far as a waiver pickup um, in most leagues, so you may not even have to make that choice. Yeah. Yeah, I know a couple of leagues in mine where Davis is already owned. I own Davis in one of my leagues. Um, this shows you how much I've been paying attention uh, with this <laughs> crazy project of mine and uh, not realizing that uh, West kind of overtook him as the number two back on that team. I probably would have dropped him a couple of weeks ago for West and I wouldn't be in this problem. Um, but that said, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Last night I was, I was setting up some of my waivers and, and I was, we have a dollar budget. I've got about 75 left in each league. Um, you know, I, I initially was doing like fifties, you know, in, in the fifties for, for some of my, for you some of my fab bids. It's a hundred dollar budget. So it's a hundred dollars. I got about, I got about 75 left. Uh, so, you know, I was willing to go about 50, 53, something like that. I uh, forget exactly what I put down. So, but you know, the more I'm reading and kind of hearing some of the news and reevaluating it kind of in my head, I think I kind of agree with you where I might end up lowering that. And if I miss out on him, you know, so be it. I mean, I think last night I, I was proposed the question, what's the split percentage wise of the carries? And initially I was thinking, you know, about 70% for West and maybe 25% for, for, uh, for Davis and then 5% you know, mixed between Smith and whoever the third guy there that they bring in is going to be. Um, but I don't know. I kind of think it's going to be a little a little less than that now. might be more a, a 60, 60, 30, 10% split there. And, you know, you don't know if they're going to think that West is going to even get goal line carries either, you know. I'm – it's it's a it's a real tough one. I think if you own Charles, you have to go you have to go all in on it. But if you don't, I think you can sit back and and go a little lower and just hope that the rest of your league doesn't go all crazy about it either. Yeah, I think um, kind of to that point on the sixty thirty ten. I also heard the question of you know how much value does Anthony Thomas gain? And while I don't really think he gains fantasy value in this, I think there's the chance, you know, that it's almost a, you know, West gets the first down look, Davis gets it's not actually in that order, but, you know, West gets a series, Davis gets a series, and D'Anthony Thomas gets, you know, passing down back, passing down snaps. So um, there's also that worry. So it also depends on, I think, your waiver wire, who's out there. I mean, if a guy like Darren McFadden's out there, he's almost just as valuable as a, we- a guy like West, perhaps, with Dunbar out. And yeah. uh, he could obviously be had probably much cheaper than Wes. Yeah, that's, that's a that's a very good point. Um, you know, there, there's some other guys that are kind of creeping up the up the list too. And, and you know, we'll get to some of those other waiver wire ads later. I uh, don't don't want to don't want to spoil it for everybody. A little, little teaser there. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is obviously the the probably the the biggest waiver wire. Um, frenzy we're gonna have all season, or at least it is so far to this year. I mean, Des got Des went out early, but you know Terrence Williams was probably already owned in most leagues, or if he wasn't, 
you know, did you really expect him to just step right in and score 15 points a game? No. But I think a lot of people are kind of expecting whoever gets that first down gets the gets the main bulk of the carries here to do that. And I'm and the more I'm thinking about it, I just I'm not really sure that that's going to happen. Um, you know, I could just go straight to a committee approach, and then you've pretty much wasted your money. But yeah. I, I think I think it's definitely going to be someone's going to spend money in your league. So if you absolutely want them, you're going to have to spend up for them. Um, and like you said, it could be that. What else is there? Is this could be the last big free agent pickup of the year? You know, it's not like baseball where you got guys coming up in the, in the minors halfway through the season. So yeah, I mean, one thing I think some people might want to keep an eye on is also the fact that Chiefs play Minnesota this week. Who you know, obviously Carlos Hyde just walked all over during Week One. So even if West is Reed's guy going into the game. If West gets, you know, stuffed on three straight carries to start the game and Davis comes in and runs right down the field and, you know, the next series of bounds, Reed's favorite could obviously shift pretty quickly. But um, I know I'm kind of just putting a bunch of random thoughts in everybody's head and they're looking for a straight answer. So, um, I don't I do think, think there West is a straight answer for this. I mean, I, I mean, you're you're just kind of saying what you think and – you know that there is no right now. I I don't think anybody knows. Everybody's guessing. Um, <laughs> I would almost bet that Andy Reid's guessing too. Um, but to move on, um, what do you think about Andy Dalton? Man, he's the number one fantasy quarterback right now. And uh, I mean, of course, Brady's had his bye week, and he's only like five points behind him. So most likely, Brady's you know, would have been number one. But either way, the number two fantasy quarterback, that's pretty impressive for the guy. I think that was had an ADP of like the number 22 or 23 ranked quarterback uh, drafted this, this past year. He he is absolutely killing it, in my opinion. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I mean, he definitely caught me by surprise. At least he's not on any of my fantasy teams put it that way. No. Uh, I'm, it's, it's difficult, really, to say whether to, I guess, you know, the whole sell high or if he's going to maintain it. Because I, I like the Bengals team as a whole. I like their offense, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but So, I mean, it's definitely possible that he does. At the same time, if you could, you know, get – if you have him and you could trade him for, you know, Cam Newton who's already had his bye week or something like that, I, I definitely would consider that because – you look, you look at his upcoming schedule, he's got the Bills in Buffalo, then a bye week, and then he has to go to Pittsburgh, who, you know, about 48 hours ago, I wouldn't have said Pittsburgh was was any tough matchup, but, but they at least played pretty well against Rivers last night. So um, if you have a chance to trade him this week, I mean, this week, if, if you have him, this is the week to trade him because it's prior to the Buffalo matchup, and I can't imagine many owners are jumping to trade for a quarterback right before their bye week. So um, this, if you have them, this probably the week to trade for them. As far as an owner who doesn't have them, I don't know that I'm necessarily targeting him. It's, I, I still would prefer any number of you know guys like Newton or Brady 
Um, I really like targeting a quarterback who's already had their bye week as long as if you can possibly get them kind of at their same value. Yeah, I um, you know my I mean my thoughts about him are is I you know I I think he could actually have a pretty good game against the Bills, um, and I mean they've the Bills are okay against quarterbacks and you know they they shut down Andrew Luck, but we've seen that that's not such a great thing this year. That offense is kind of a disaster, um, but the Bills. The Bills only rank 23rd against opposing quarterbacks right now, so that's not it's not as great as you think. So it could be a pretty good week for for him again. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like you said, I, I like this offense. Tyler Eifert's healthy, um, and that that seems like it's making a big difference. Giovanni Bernard's healthy, and that's making a big difference in the passing game. Um, AJ Green's healthy, and that's that's huge. They got Marvin Jones back. I mean, this this offense is legit right now, and the Red Rifle is is taking advantage of it big time. And yeah, I I you know the first couple of weeks when he did it, I just thought, nah, you know, he's had stretches of two three games in a row where where he he does this, and then he goes back to throwing four interceptions on a primetime game. Uh. But I don't know. Something just seems different about him. He just seems to have another like he's he seems to have a little swagger about him that that I kind of I kind of like. Uh, when I was watching the game, it, it was interesting. And and one thing I, I did notice just looking back at his games, three out of four of his games so far this year are against teams who are bottom ten against fantasy quarterbacks. So you know the ten worst. Um, the the one being the uh, obviously the Seahawks are usually pretty good, so they they are not one of the ones that you would have thought he would have had a lot of success against. Uh, I believe the other one was actually San Diego. San Diego kind of surprises you, and, and they're they're better against the pass than you would think. Um, but you know he had a pretty good game against them too. So it's um. It's interesting that he's he's done it against a couple of pretty good teams as well, not just not just bottom dwellers. Right, it is. Um, oh, uh, sorry, I wanted to get your thoughts on what is what are your thoughts on Jeremy Hill with Gio Bernard? Yeah, you know, me and uh, me and AJ talked about this last week, and and it was right after Jeremy Hill kind of bounced back and had that three touchdown game, and and the thing that I pointed out was that you know it was it was eight carries and was it 20 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, he clearly wasn't really producing. He just got all the goal line work. So I kind of was thinking, you know, Jeremy Hill's not really getting the job done. And Giovanni Bernard is, is a key component of this offense. I think you can rely on, especially in PPR leagues where he's, he's going to be in there mixed in a little more because he's a better, the better passing back. So, in my opinion, in the last couple of weeks now, I have ranked Giovanni Bernard ahead of Jeremy Hill. Yeah, so I was a big believer in Jeremy Hill going into the year, and I just I want to keep believing, but I think I, I laid an egg on that one because it just doesn't look like it, it's working out for him. Yeah, I agree. I drafted Hill in uh, in one of the – 
so-called fantasy experts leagues. And I have started him over guys who have played better almost every single week, it seems like. So I'm I'm ready to almost – yeah, I'm not going to drop him because there's just nobody available in these leagues. Um, but I'm probably going to start benching him here very, very soon. I'm going to have to reevaluate that situation. But, um, but you know, we, we mentioned some of the, the weird things that are happening kind of earlier on this in this show with your, with your survivor picks. And, I mean, I don't know how much weirder is going to get than this. I mean, Josh McCown and Blake Bortles were two of the top three quarterbacks this past week. I mean, everybody always has them in their rankings in, like, the 20s because of who they play for and just the offenses they are. And it's Blake Bortles and Josh McCown. I mean, it's so bizarre. I mean, obviously, you're not considering picking these guys up for anybody at this point. But, I mean, what is going on here? What what do you think well, with all this? I mean, it seems like every week we get this. I will say, I, I coincidentally it happened. I, it only happened because I had Romo on a team, um, so I had some QB issues. I actually picked up McCown prior to last week's game. So oh wow! That worked out pretty well for me. <laughs> yes, um, it did. But, but yeah, I mean, I would agree with you completely. I mean, there's, it's, it's almost just one of those anomalies of. There's always those free agent guys who just remain free agents because everyone in the league just doesn't believe in them, regardless of how much it happens. And uh, I mean, McCown and Bortles are probably going to be those two guys. Bortles' issue has mainly been because he, he turns the ball over too much. I mean, with how bad the Jaguars are, he'll he'll probably be more um, likely to repeat, I, I would say, throughout the year just because he's going to have plenty of garbage time. But he just doesn't know how to take care of the ball, at least. Um, I don't want to be speaking completely without knowing the facts, but I'm pretty sure. Well, on top of that, though, I mean, think about this. Actually, Bortles probably has done better overall. I haven't looked at the full season numbers, but I would bet that Bortles has the better overall numbers for the year. Well, I can't, I'm in case, duh, obviously, because McCown was hurt, and so Manziel played. But, okay, so a week-to-week average, we'll say this, for the games they played. I would bet that McCown or Bortles is better than McCown. I mean, Think about this for a second. The Jaguars have two top 11 fantasy receivers. Alan Hearns and uh, – Alan Hearns? It's Alan Robinson and um, – You're right, Alan Hearns. Is it Alan Hearns also? Um, yeah. So both of those guys are in the top 11 of standard leagues on ESPN. Have anybody had told me that was going to happen for the before the start of the year? I would have thought they were drunk. I mean, that's just that's not supposed to happen. I mean, that's just proof right there of just how crazy this year has been. And I mean, like guys like Eddie Lacy can't even score touchdowns, and these guys are from Jacksonville or you know wide receiver ones at this point. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> this year. I mean, I really not like Robinson coming in. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people like him, but. I didn't think he was going to be. I think he's the number three guy overall. I got. I do have the rankings pulled up here. Let me look. Uh, wide receivers. He is the one, two, three, four. Oh, this is. Oh, what am I looking at? 
he is number he's number eight and Hearns is number eleven. But yeah, I mean Allen Robinson was going what? Fourth, fifth round in most leagues? Yeah. Yeah. Hearns was probably undrafted in a ton of leagues. He's still only owned in forty eight percent of ESPN leagues. So that I mean that's gonna definitely change after this week. <laughs> um and so yeah, that's yeah, uh, on, top of the, on top of the craziness. It's been the, all the you know the guys like Hearns, all those guys have panned out, and then all the up and coming you know highly hyped young wide receivers, Brandon Cooks, Nelson Aguilar, um, Maria Major Bell. So, uh, uh, those guys have not panned out at all. Yeah, all those second year guys, Mike Evans and. Cooks and all those guys, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've got, I've got them all over the place. None of them are doing anything. I mean, even, even in Indy, you've got Moncrief out playing T.Y. Hilton all over the place. I mean, this, this stuff's not supposed to happen, and it's just making for a crazy year. And yeah, it's, uh, it's made for a very, very interesting fantasy football season for me. Um, and I'm sure other people are, are feeling my pain uh, right there with, with me. You know, you had to get – I feel like the teams that are doing well are the teams that after I looked at their draft, I thought, nah, their team sucks. <laughs> and, and they're all the guys that are doing well, just like you're saying. You know, it's it's all the guys that everybody thought was going to do well. didn't. I, I was listening to um, the Jeff Manns on the fantasy alarm show on my way home from work today. And he just started ripping through like the first two rounds. And, you know, he started going through guys, you know, does Brian hurt Charles hurt Lacey, not doing anything. Yeah. Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bill are good. Uh, of course you have to deal with Bell's two game suspension. Um, Gronk, Gronk's been good. Uh, but then you've got the Hill and the CJ Anderson and DeMarco Murray's been kind of bad, and Jeremy Hill, or I already said him, uh, you know, all these guys, you know, uh, McCoy and all these guys that went in the first two rounds in most drafts, but all these guys in the four, five, six range that if you just happen to get the right one, they're the ones that are at the top of the board right now, which, so, you know, that's why I keep saying, like, everything's just kind of turned on its head right now, and it's all it all just doesn't make any sense. I'm just waiting for it to go back the right way. But I think it's just, this is going to be one of those seasons that we're all going to look back and just laugh at because nobody knew what they were talking about. And it's just going to be whoever, you know, wh- whoever, whoever hit bullseye uh, was wearing a blindfold at this point, it, it seems like. So before before we jump into some of the injuries, I want to get your opinion on this. Did you see the, the uh, Devonta Freeman play I did. the Washington yeah, Redskins game? What uh, what are your thoughts on this this rule? I thought I thought it was kind of interesting. I, I kind of just throw in it's, it's different than this one though. Um, well, I'll talk about that later about what the referees missed in the last night's game. Uh, I think it's going to come down to – I don't know how they, they'll ever get a change, honestly. I don't know how anything changes in the NFL. Um, it's an interesting league, to say the least. 
But I think it will come down to someone like a Belichick or Kraft, um, someone a highly respected either head coach or owner is going to have to make make a public fuss over how ridiculous that rule is before it changes because that's essentially how I feel like that's how anything has changed in the NFL is if you put Goodell you know under a microscope and I mean I don't know how a playoff changing touchdown doesn't do that um so that's why I don't really know if it will ever get changed because I feel like the Des Bryant play would have changed it ahead um, if there was ever hope of it getting changed. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I, if it hasn't changed by now, I don't know what's going to change it. Um, at the same time, I mean, so I'm a, I mean, I'm a Redskins fan. So even me saying here that this rule is ridiculous and that was a touchdown, you know, I think says something, but I mean, how is this not a touchdown? He caught the ball. He turned, he took like two and a half or three steps planted lunge into the end zone. And just because he landed and the ball came loose, it's not a touchdown. I mean, what I don't understand what a, I I could see that if, you know, a receiver catches the ball in midair and then they fall to the ground and it it comes out, okay, I I understand that's not a catch because you have to have you have to complete the catch and have possession of the ball on the ground. But he clearly did. And I, I mean Someone explained to me in the NFL what a football move is because I clearly don't know what that means. And I know I'm not the only person watching football that says that. All the commentators go, I don't understand what a football move is. I mean, these guys, these guys sit there and, you know, they're so fast, they're so quick, so strong, they can break through tackles and turn and twist and jump all at the same time, and that's not a football move. It's just baffling to me. Um, and and you got to feel for, you know, Freeman got his later, so those owners are happy. But you got to feel for the Ryan owners because they lost that on a touchdown. Um, so <laughs> really kind of sucks for them. Yeah, uh, what's but, interesting is if you put it in perspective of if he had made that, say, at the 50-yard line, that exact – play, but instead of hitting the ground, uh, you know, a defensive player hit him. Like, I feel like it would be called a fumble. It wouldn't be called an incomplete pass. If he made the, you know, he made the action of he caught it and turned. Like, so that's what they always deem as it being a complete pass. So that's why it's it's almost like because they are catches in the end zone, they get put on, you know, it's a double standard. They get put different, under a different microscope. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you there. Actually, I didn't even think about that. You know, that had that been, would that have been ruled a fumble? That's that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting way to look at it. And and I mean, I don't know the answer. Um, I just feel like every every ref will call it only two. Uh, it's just it's it doesn't seem like it's super consistent either. And it's just that weird thing like. 
when do they it's it's that fine line of when do they become a runner because had that been a handoff and he had lunged into the end zone and and landed like that and the ball had come out that would have been a touchdown because the ball crossed the plane but because he hadn't officially caught the ball even though i think he caught the ball on like the four yard line and got to the end zone i mean how much farther do you have to go yeah whatever I could I could probably rant on this for a while and just repeat the same thing over and over again because there's just no common sense to this rule. And I, I think most of the NFL hates it. I know the commentators seem to hate it just from when you listen and watch football. I mean, yeah, maybe it would take a Belichick or a Kraft, but at this point I don't know how much, uh, much pull they've got with with the commissioner at this point, after all the Brady nonsense this past summer, I feel like they're uh, wearing out their uh, their 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 good karma. <laughs> but who knows? Well, I mean, if Jerry Jones can't get it changed, it, it's probably not getting changed anytime soon. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. Um, I just put one. There we go. So anyway, so moving on to some some week five or or week six, I'm sorry. Some week six kind of preparation here. We'll go through some of the, the major the more major named injuries. Obviously we've got Jamal Charles. Um so Julio Jones, he's got a hamstring injury. And the Falcons play Thursday. Um I'm hearing there's a legitimate chance he does not play this week. What do you think about that? Do you think he'll he'll tough it out? Or even if he does, do you even want to use him? Uh, I definitely – Julio Jones is kind of interesting because I, I played a lot of Monday, Thursday, um, primetime daily leagues. And, for you know, for those leagues, it's obviously a, a huge blow if you had Julio because there's not a whole lot of um, high-priced guys in that game. So for, from a daily perspective, it's kind of you have to play him if, if he's – you know, if you already have your lineup, I would say you have to play him if he's, you know, active. From a, and I mean, I guess even in a you know a season long way, you kind of have you can't sit Julio Jones on your bench. But I don't know, even if he plays, I got to imagine his snaps are going to be extremely limited, considering you know the Falcons are five and zero and they're playing the one and four Saints, and then after this game, you're going to have ten ten days off. Or actually, do they go on a buy? Um, no, they don't buy. So yeah, you have ten days off um, to kind of get Julio Jones straight for the you know next ten games, next nine games. So I don't know. It's it's definitely an interesting situation just because I have to imagine his snaps will be extremely limited even if he is active. Yeah, I mean, I'm a like I said, I'm a Julio Jones owner in one of my leagues and. If it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for a Freeman fumble that fell into the end zone, he would have had a pretty mediocre day for me. Uh, even still, he kind of had a mediocre day. So, um, I, I mean, you can't sit him because you're right. It's Julio Jones, and he can just bust it out for 30 points. But, I mean, he clearly wasn't right this past week against Washington. Uh, it's another good matchup. But if he's not right, he's not right. 
and it's clearly going to affect them overall. I, I don't know what to do. I you know I don't have a whole lot of options in that league, so I'll probably end up playing him. But you know, if you've if you've got a couple other, if you've got a pretty deep wide receiver uh, core on your team, I would probably I would I would seriously consider sitting him if if I had some good options. I just don't know if a lot of people have that many good options this year in in, in any position with all the craziness that's been going on, you know, and, and his teammate, even, you know, I I have him written down here as a waiver wire ad, but then I'm starting to read that, you know, Hankerson is, uh, is also banged up. You know, I know he was knocked out of the game on Sunday. Uh, I believe it was a, a rib injury, but you know, you would think that if Jones doesn't go, that Hankerson would obviously be the guy. Um, but I'm not sure that he's going to be 100%. And, you know, both on short weeks here, I, I'm not really sure that that could be – the Saints could be a very sneaky, good defensive play this week because Julio and Hankerson are out, and Roddy Waite looks like he's 80 years old all of a sudden. Yeah, I think Hankerson's um, – I kind of really like – I really like him if Julio plays. If Julio doesn't play, I almost like him less just because – He's not, you know, he's not a number one. He's just not. Right. So if a team doesn't even have to worry about Jones, I, I almost think it will hurt Hankerson more than help him. Um, obviously, if Roddy White can't, you know, separate, that's that's a whole other story, which right now it doesn't look like he can. But I almost would think he's the one thing you know about White is he's at least, you know, he used to be safe as far as you know in PPR formats, and I think. If they're forced to you know, constantly dump the ball off underneath, that could be kind of Ryan's safety hatch, um, especially if they get down and have any sort of garbage time in the fourth. Yeah, I mean they, Ryan, I mean Ryan, they didn't look good against the Redskins, and I mean the Redskins, they don't. Their D is better this year, but I don't think it was good enough to be able to hold down Julio Jones and. And that passing offense that just seems to put up 30, 40 points every game. Um, but they were able to get the job done. And, you know, the, the, Saint, the Saints are, I would say, easily worse than the Redskins. But, you know, with, with two banged up big time receivers, who knows there? Um, so moving on, so Justin Forsett, he's got an ankle sprain. Uh, looks like Buck Allen would be would be the next guy up there. Um, Andrew Luck looking like he's going to return here this week. He's been practicing with apparently no no setbacks. And then another pair of receivers that I think they're both going to play, but it's another one of those they could both be hobbled is Odell Beckham and Reuben Randall. Um, you know, that that's another good matchup against Philly that, you know, two two receivers, especially with Beckham there, that you've been able to rely on pretty much most of the season. Um, you know, I think you're playing – I think Beckham's kind of in that Jones category where if he plays, you play him, obviously. But, you know, is, is Randall one of those guys that, yeah, you don't know, even in a good matchup, if he's kind of – questionable or or you know his status is kind of you know iffy do you play him if he plays in a good matchup yeah i don't i don't know that 
I don't know that I'd be playing Randall. He's just he's been known to be pretty inconsistent even when healthy. The guy I really actually like this week as far as a waiver wire pickup would be um, Dwayne Harris, who's kind of been mm-hmm. consistently worked into the offense a little more. Um, I think he could, like you said, it's a really good matchup. I think he could be a really sneaky, um, sneaky play this week, even if both are active. I mean, if both are active, it's obviously a much bigger long shot, but especially if Randall sits or um, Beckham, but I don't think Beckham will sit. If either of them sit, though, I think Harris becomes a major target in that offense. Yeah, yeah. Um... And, and and that's a good call there. I, I did not write his name down, but I didn't mean to. Um, and then that's a good segue into the waiver wire ad. So, you know, we, we've talked about West and, and Niall Davis. Those are two obvious ones, I think, that you have to go after. Um, I think I, I personally think that if you don't get either one of them and you need running back help um, with Forsett possibly not playing, that, that uh, Allen from – from Baltimore is is the guy you need you'll want to get for at least it seems like a one week plug in possibly. Um you know, we mentioned Hankerson. You know, I, I think he's somebody that you might want to just grab. I don't think he's gonna be out long term and it and it looks like he's overtaken Roddy White there and, and done pretty well. Um a guy that I think is interesting with all the struggles that the Saints or not the Saints, the Lions are having is Joyke Bell. Um, it looks like he's ready to return. Abdul is struggling. Theoretic just does just catches passes out of the backfield. I mean, you've got Zenner. Uh, he's not been all that great, although he's looked better than Abdullah, which is surprising. But is Joyke Bell somebody that you, maybe you could take a, a real – big chance on if if you're just desperate at running back here. Yeah, I think uh, – actually, I hadn't thought about it until um, I saw it in your notes, but that is definitely intriguing because I think a lot of people kind of hopped off Bell pretty quickly because he's, you know, for, through the first three games, had 22 yards and 20 carries, and Abdullah kind of looked to clearly um, overtake him. But like you mentioned, Abdullah struggled and – Maybe Bell just wasn't healthy after those first three games, which is, uh, I mean, clear after he set out the last two. So, yeah, I mean, maybe with Bell back healthy, he, you know, gets at least a shot at a 50-50 timeshare um, this week. And then if it pays off, maybe the word I'm looking for, get back into that, um, you know, the first and second down back type role that we initially expected out of him um, in Detroit. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, I I don't even know if you would have to burn a waiver wire claim on him or, or any fab budget, to be perfectly honest, because I don't think anybody's really thinking about him. I, I just happened to kind of be scrolling through the injury news and, and saw his name pop up. And, you know, exactly like what you're saying, everybody's just kind of forgotten about him. And everybody hopped off the bandwagon. Not that his, his bandwagon pretty much – lost a tire in preseason and, you know, was on the side of the road. So it didn't take much for everybody to just kind of leave it behind. But he, um, you know, struggled week one, hurt after that. You you know, you're exactly right. Everybody just kind of just abandoned ship and nobody's really looking to go back on. So 
I think you could possibly get him as a free agent in most leagues after waivers pass and, and not spend anything. So that, that wouldn't be a bad move. And another couple of running backs, you know, on that same note there, though, Theo Riddick is a guy that I think you want to get. But I would probably only target him in PPR leagues. Um, he's he's getting a lot of catches at that backfield. I think he had, what, 10 last week? Something crazy like that. Um, yeah. So it's clear that, that he's he is the passing down back and this this Detroit team is horrific. So they're going to be playing from behind most games. That means you're going to see a lot of Theo Riddick, uh, I think, going forward. So he's somebody that I think is a, a viable option. And uh, and and don't look now. We, do we do we have two, possibly two good running backs out of Tampa Bay? Um, everybody knows Doug Martin's success. But but Charles Sims is is getting the job done here now three weeks in a row with double digit fantasy points in standard leagues. What do you think about yes. possibly picking up Sims? Yeah, Sims has been. Uh, I I took Martin in a league. Um, took Sims later in the draft, kind of just to. Uh, I know Sims isn't necessarily the ideal handcuff to Martin, but still kind of to make sure I had one back in Tampa Bay, and it's almost. Um, irritated me more than anything because now I don't know. They they both like you said had a lot of success every week, so it's I don't like starting with a running back, a two running backs in the same you know offense um, on any given week. But it's I don't want to move Sims, and I also never play Sims because I have Doug Martin. So no, I definitely think Sims he's available on any waiver wire. Definitely worth a pickup because he's. You know, a lot like Theo Riddick in the past game for Tampa Bay, and I think he's a little more secure in that. Um, his floor is a little, little more um, solid than than the Rips from week to week. Yeah. Um, so I mean, those are all the guys that that I had to mention. Is there anybody else that I didn't mention that that you're kind of looking to pick up this week? Uh, kind of two targets I've had are. Um, I know a lot of people may be leaving him out there because they just assume he's going to um, kind of get left aside once Austin Jeffrey comes back. But Marcus Wilson, Marquise Wilson, however you pronounce his first name, um, he's kind of had you know pretty solid back-to-back weeks. I think he's easily overtaken um, Royal as the even even when Jeffrey comes back, he's, I think he's a clear number two in that offense. And yeah, I I don't necessarily think his production is going to take that big of a dip um, once Jeffrey returns. So I, I definitely think Wilson's a guy some people can target this week. And then Jameson Crowder, Scott kind of knows, has been constantly left aside on wave wires that in leagues I'm in. Um, the Washington Redskins wide receivers had three straight 10-plus you know, fantasy point weeks. So, I mean, he's, he's not – neither one of those guys that I don't think are anybody worth spending a bunch on in terms of, you know, waiver budget, but definitely just wide receivers to keep an eye on as far as, you know, with bye weeks, possible fill-ins, just flyer guys who, you know, could get you a touchdown, could get, you know, five catches for 80 yards, something like that. Yeah, I think Crowder is an interesting one, and and I did look at him, uh, but but I decided against listing him down here. 
And the reason why is because Deshaun Jackson, and I don't think he's going to return this week, uh, but it sounds like he's getting pretty close. He's able to run. He's doing drills. Um, But I think as soon as Deshaun Jackson comes back, Crowder is going to lose a a lot of value. And um, I know another another name for the Redskins that people are, are pulling out here is Ryan Grant. You know, he had a good game this past week um, or a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, some people have seen him get more involved with that offense. But I just don't see it happening. Um, so, but, yeah, I mean, Crowder's an interesting one as long as Deshaun Jackson is, is still out. That's that's going to be the key there. So that's it for the waiver wire ads, and we've got about ten minutes left, a little less than ten minutes actually. Um, so we always finish up each week with kind of going through the the best and worst fantasy game of the week, and then we give we each give one quarterback sleeper, one running back sleeper, one wide receiver sleeper, and then the same thing for busts. Um, and so if you are ready, I will, uh, will let you go first since you are the guest today. Um, so are we looking you, for a best fantasy game this coming week or what we thought was the best fantasy game last week? So we usually go through and say for this upcoming week. And so, sorry, you're, okay. you're right. I wrote I, in the notes to you. I think I left week five on there. That's a copy paste from the week before a lot. <laughs> so that's my fault. But uh, yes, it'd be for the upcoming week. So kind of the best overall game, you know, it sounds like you're a DFS guy. So, you know, if you want to tie it back to some DFS, uh, you know, a game that you'd be targeting to possibly do a, a small stack with or something, then then by all means, go for it. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I guess if I wasn't really thinking stack in terms of stack, but I think if we're looking at a stack, I think the Patriots are um, probably the most expensive one, but um, there's definitely going to be some, not necessarily revenge on their minds. I, I know some people might look at it as, well, the Colts are going to be the ones looking for revenge, but with all the you know, all the negative publicity throughout the off season revolving around that AFC championship game, I think the Patriots we know the Colts, you know, deficiencies on defense. I think the Patriots, especially Julian Edelman, could have a, a pretty big game, um in in Indianapolis. Um so I, I definitely wouldn't mind a, a Brady Edelman as a more expensive um type of stack in that regard. But I also, you know, I think the I think Arian Foster is a, definitely a good guy to target against Jacksonville's um, against Jacksonville's defense in Jacksonville this week after what what you know Martin and Sims did to Jacksonville. So I think Houston's offense and uh, New England's offense, Houston a more cheap option, New England more expensive, might be two offenses to kind of target this week. Yeah. Yeah, those are. Uh, I, I actually was looking at that that Houston game as one of my one of my picks, and I had New England and Indy listed here, but I had a backup just in case uh, you you said it. Um, and I'm gonna go with the the Giants and the Eagles. I mean, neither one of these defenses is is really anything spectacular. Obviously, it's gonna matter a lot on Beckham and and I guess possibly Randall, although. 
the guy um I forget the name of the guy you mentioned Harris Harris looks like he's going to be a very capable player to step in Randall's spot there and and fill the void if if he can't go but um you know that that that's a game that I think could could potentially be high scoring at, le- at least on the Giants side you know the the Eagles defense just isn't very good at all the the Giants seem to randomly step up every now and then and have a good defensive game um although Monday night was not one of them <laughs> or they they played Sunday um but they like to kind of shuffle good and bad games so we could we could see at least the Giants put up a lot of points on on Philly this week with Odell Beckham kind of lighting up that that secondary yeah I definitely agree with that I, I was I was kind of hesitant to uh to go after that game with kind of what you said as far as the injury concerns but yeah I know at least ESPN is predicting that to be a pretty high scoring affair mm-hmm and so so I'll go uh I'll give you my my worst fantasy game I'll, I'll take this one um Washington and the Jets uh in, in New York um I know that the Jets have actually surprised people on offense and and been pretty good but at the same time the Redskins have surprised people back on defense and they've actually been pretty decent so and of course we all know how pretty awful the Redskins offense is and how good the Jets offense is so um I think this is going to be a pretty low scoring affair all around I think the Jets will, will probably probably win this game you know 20 to 10 or something like that. I think they're just going to completely shut down shut down the Redskins here and and the Jets will probably get a couple couple touchdowns in in the air or something or maybe Ivory punches one in from close, but um both defenses are pretty good. Obviously the Jets are a superior defense and you know we're just going to get a, a pretty low scoring game. Um kind of as far as I really want to pick the Seahawks Panthers game actually, but I I fear the Seahawks could um I, I think it could get ugly for Carolina actually pretty quickly even though it's a two and three team in sport now. I, I still just don't I know Carolina has a good defense, I just don't know how they're four now. Um with with all the wide receiver injuries they've had and the the question marks at running back, so um I really want to go that that game. I I, I can't though I don't there's just too many options to choose from. Um, I think San Fran Baltimore, though. I think I don't. I don't know what Baltimore is going to do as far as offense. I, I think if four set plays, you're going to want to rely a lot on four set. Um, but especially if four set plays, I, I mean, even from a fantasy uh, fantasy player's perspective, as far as you know, guys in that game, there's just not a whole lot to choose from. Um, if four set doesn't doesn't play, because I don't. I don't know that you can really bank on Hyde or the you know, the passing game doing what they did this past week against Baltimore's defense. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think you're gonna see a whole lot out of San Fran. They're they're very inconsistent, so I agree with you there. I was looking at that game, um, especially with Forsett possibly missing it. Um, but I stayed away because Forsett's actually one of my my favorite running backs this week if he can go. Just because that San Fran defense is awful, um, but yeah, I, I did stay away from it. But it was one of the ones I was eyeing 
Um, there are a lot of, it seems like it's, it's a very, you've got a lot of high scoring games and you've got a lot of like what you could consider low scoring games. There's not any of those like in between type of games this week. You just feel like it's going to be good or bad. (laughs) So I don't know what to, what to go with that. So to finish up here real quick, my, uh, my sleeper quarterback is actually going to be Joe Flacco. I know you just said you're not sure what that offense is going to do, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's going to – I feel like Baltimore is going to have a good game here, surprisingly, just because of how bad the 49ers' defense is. Um, you know, I've got, I've got him – You know, the so-called fantasy experts' rankings are out – and I've actually got Flacco ranked number ten, and everybody else seems to have him in the in the high teens. So I'm pretty bullish on Flacco this week, um, going against the San Fran San Fran defense. Um, do you want to give your sleeper yes. quarterback? Yeah, yeah, yeah I. Yeah, I never, Flacco is, is an intriguing pick. I just wish I knew knew who he, uh, who who his wide receiver of choice would be, assuming Steve Smith is out. Um, as far as a sleeper quarterback, I'm kind of torn between three. Um, I wanted to say Dan Orlovsky just as a joke, but um, I'll go that route against the Bears. Uh, but actually, pick Stafford if he counts as a sleeper. I don't, I don't necessarily know, but. Um, I think he bounces back in the nicely after. I think the getting bench will be a, a huge wake up call for him. Uh, <clears throat> if he doesn't necessarily count as a sleeper, I, I also really like Ryan Tannehill against uh, against the Titans. I think they come out of the bye week pretty. I think they'll come out of the bye week strong, um, even if it's only for a couple of games before they they go back to um, how they played throughout the first four. But yeah, I'm kind of torn between Tannehill or, or Stafford. But I, I think both could have pretty solid weeks. Yeah, I, I I like uh I like Tannehill this week a little bit more too than uh than everybody else, I think. Um so that, that's a good pick there. As far as my running back sleeper, I am having a really hard time picking one here. Um I seem to be kinda even keel with, with everybody else as far as the rankings for the sleepers. That's why I kinda you know, if fourth set plays, I think he's gonna be be the guy. But you know, I don't I don't want to pick two guys from the same team. Um, but you know, I'm I'm gonna go and say Marshawn Lynch. Um, I think people are kind of down on him because of the injuries, and they are playing Carolina, so it's a pretty bad matchup. And he hasn't scored yet this year. He hasn't really looked all that great when he has played, but. You know, give give Marshawn Lynch a week off to kind of recuperate, and and uh, or, or even a couple weeks now, and I think I think he could come out and you know you could see the the beast mode return here this week and just kind of surprise people. He he likes to he likes to show up in these tough matchups. Yeah, it's it's definitely a good pick. I um I actually own him in one league. I, I I'm torn between do I trade him or or right out the storm. Um, as far as um, I sleep, I'll go with uh, 
I, I hate going with it, but I, I really I, CJ Anderson just he's got to do something someday. Like. <laughs> you just, own him somewhere, to. don't you? <laughs> I do. He just yeah. <laughs> so you're just hoping it's right. <laughs> but I mean, the Browns ranked 31st against the rush, and you know, four sets just tore him apart. I he just he has to. So someday he's he's got to at least have some sort of fantasy productive game. Yeah, man, I don't. That's that's a mess of a situation over there. That that whole Denver team is kind of is kind of iffy, and uh, you know, I'm gonna give both my sleeper and my bust wide receiver in the same in the same uh, sentence here. And you, know, you can't really call him a sleeper, but you'll you'll see why I did this here in a second. So I'm gonna say Emmanuel Sanders is my sleeper only because I seem to like him more than the other rankers at so-called fantasy experts right now. Um, and my bust is going to be Demarius Thomas. Um, Sanders seems to be getting way more looks than Demarius Thomas right now. Thomas is more of a downfield guy, except for those little screens. Um, Sanders seems to be getting more targets right now. Um, he's he's producing more, it seems like. And so I'm I'm kind of down on Thomas right now. And um and just thinking that, you know, that the jump in the 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 hierarchy of the receivers there has changed. And a lot of it has to do with I think Peyton Manning is not a hundred percent and Sanders runs the routes that Peyton can, can complete right now. Yeah. I, I um, yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. I actually was looking at trying to get Emmanuel Sanders um, in a league. Cause I mean, especially in PPR, I think he, he's, I mean, I think he's better than Demarius Thomas. I don't think it's a question. Um, as far as my sleeper, I kind of mentioned a little earlier. I'll go with uh, Roddy White. Uh, I kind of like. I, I don't necessarily think he's going to come back, but I think similar to Andre Johnson last week, you know, it's a rivalry game, um, prime time, and especially with Julio Jones and maybe even Hankerson both kind of limited. I think he finally steps up. Hopefully, maybe. I actually don't even own him in a league. I just I don't understand how these. Over thirty wide receivers have just suddenly fallen off the map, like him and him and Johnson. Yeah, I wrote about that actually in in one of my articles. I do the I do the Monday morning hangover for so-called fantasy experts, and and I wrote about all the is such a discrepancy between some of the over thirty players like Larry Fitzgerald, who are just crushing it this year, and. Um, Steve Smith was doing really well. Then you've got guys like Andre Johnson and, and Roddy White and Marquise Colson who are just they're giving you goose eggs and nobody saw this coming. Um so it's it's definitely it's definitely interesting. But yeah, I mean kudos to you, man, if Roddy White ends up becoming a sleeper this week. Uh I, I would that's that's a that's a bold pick. I couldn't do it. Um uh, as far as- as far as busts, I'll go T.Y. Hilton. I, New England's always kind of been known to be able to shut down a um, 
shut down one team's you know main weapon. And I mean, obviously Hilton. I, I mean, I know you mentioned, and it's clear Moncrief has had the better season, but uh, I think New England kind of will focus on on shutting down Hilton. And I think Indianapolis will kind of lean on the run, even if, assuming luck plays, um, I think they'll try to kind of limit his hits by by giving Gore the football as much as possible. Hmm. I I hope you're wrong, because I have him in a league that I'm desperate for a win. But I do see why you would say that, and it now scares me, because I was not thinking about that. But I don't have any choice. My team is just... I have Scrubs and T.Y. Hilton. Um, so I'm playing him. Um, so, yeah, my my my, uh, my, my, uh, my bust quarterback, give my last two here real quick. Let's finish up this. We're, we're running a little, a little over time. Uh, my, my bust quarterback is actually going to be Bradford. I know I was saying this, this game could be high scoring, but I think you kind of heard me say it earlier too, where I kind of think it could be high scoring, but mainly on the giant side. Um, Bradford's been nothing short of inconsistent the entire year. The Philly offense has been kind of a disaster. I know they showed up last week against the Saints, but as we all know, the Saints do not have a good defense. The Giants kind of don't, but they're better than the Saints. Um, Rivalry, you know, division game, always tough. Um, I'm just not feeling Bradford this week at all. And then my my running back bust is actually going to be Ivory. I think if the Jets are going to do anything, they're going to have to do it through the air uh, with with Marshall and Decker. And um, Ivory, you know, the the Redskins, even though Freeman, who's the best running back in the NFL this year somehow, um, was able to to run pretty well against the Redskins. The Redskins have been able to shut down most most opposing running backs so far on the season, and I think they could they could stuff Ivory pretty good too. Um, yeah, it was actually uh, it's funny. I was actually looking at Ivory. Um, I wasn't sure if I wasn't sure about him, but I'm glad you mentioned him. Uh, as far as my QB and running back, I, I'm kind of struggling with both to, to pick a good one. Uh, as far as quarterback, I, I kind of like your your analysis on Marshawn Lynch, so I'm kind of going to go with Russell Wilson as the bust. Uh, I really like the Panthers' defense. I think Seattle's going to lean heavily on the run um, in that game, and I, I I mean I see Seattle winning that game, so I don't I don't see any sort of you know fourth quarter heroics um, that will be needed from Wilson. So I kind of I, I don't know that he's not going to be you know a bottom twenty quarterback, but I don't see him putting up the numbers that he's kind of been accustomed to over the last, the first, you know, five games. Um, as far as running back, I'll go, uh, man, I, I really have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I kind of, I think that, I think the Chargers backfield could be interesting. I think a lot of people may, Gordon got a lot of run, um, run this past week in the past game too, I think. So, so if people are high on him. I think he could certainly be a plus given, that the Packers could get up early um, on the Chargers. So, I mean, that's an option. I want to go to Vonnie Freeman just because I, I I just, I don't know. I I feel like there's going to be that letdown week from him, but I can't go Freeman against the Saints. I just, I, I don't know how the Saints are going to um, actually stop him. So, 
Yeah, they let DeMarco Murray have a good game against them. I think Freeman's going to be able to have one. I actually got Freeman right now ranked number one. I kind of was going back and forth between Freeman and Foster and Peterson, but uh, Foster still kind of scares me. With He was off and on the field a lot last last week. and um, But, I mean, against Jacksonville, that's such a, that's such a tasty matchup. So, and I think either any one of those three could be good. Uh, but yeah, so that, that, uh, concludes the show. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Patrick, for coming on. And, uh, if you want to let everybody know where they can find you and, and, and on Twitter and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Um, on Twitter, I'm not overly, overly active on Twitter. I try to try to do a little more here and there. Um, but it's at P wall underscore 1989. Um, for anybody who, you know, uh, I tweet out at least the survivor picks um, that are right for so-called fantasy experts. So you can obviously uh, get on, get on there and, and look at who you should pick. Or I mean, I guess if with how this season's going, maybe I'll give you three games so you know not to pick. So um, <laughs> I generally at least try to give you, you know, one safe pick. I like one, one kind of iffy game, and then all the there's always that that trap game. So um, I at least enjoy writing it. So hopefully. Um, anybody who's listening want to check it out, uh, you can find it on there. Hey, yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, that's that's all that we got for the show tonight. Thank you for listening, and uh, good week in week six. Uh, you can find me at on Twitter at Fantasy Six Pack, and obviously check out all the all the great content on so-called Fantasy Experts and uh, FantasySixPack.net, and see you all next week. Mm-hmm.